0: Don't wait until you feel like you have it figured out because you're not going to feel like you have
1: it figured out, right? Welcome back to Becoming an Influencer, the podcast hosted by Amanda Jewell, where I sit down with inspiring professionals, students, and professors talking about what it takes to be successful and their journey to becoming an influencer. So today I'm really excited to have one of my favorite people in the world and a very well-known slash famous advertising professional, the media queen herself, Lisa DeBias. Hi, guys. Uh, My name is Lisa DeBias, and I am
0: hailing to you from my home office, but I can also be found very often on the University of Texas at Austin campus in the College of Communication, the school of Stan Richards, uh, studying advertising and PR, and working with with students studying those two subjects. And I also am the founder and the sequence lead for the Texas Media and Analytics program.
1: And so, yeah, this is my professor of Texas Media Analytics, which I talked about in my first podcast episode. So, yeah, you are the founder. Yes, ma'am. So it's an idea
0: that I had way back when I was a student at UT in the late 1980s and um, just had a wonderful small world experience when I was hired by UT to come back and make it come to life many years later so yeah
1: awesome and if there's anyone listening that doesn't know what media is or especially what Texas media and analytics is as a program what's the best way to describe that
0: it's a great question I get this question a lot and the answer of course evolves I want to say that you know people understand media in general uh, as a term right but it's a very different thing um, than just being in an environment it's about understanding that environment full on um, from the very beginning and basically trying to understand the audience members that we're trying to connect with in every way, shape, form, and fashion. So really we're people people and we understand uh, brands and marketing. And then what we do is create plans to not only outreach uh, for brands to those consumers, but also to create an engagement and a dialogue that comes back and we can basically build out the brand's relationship within their communities.
1: Awesome, thanks so much. I love media and I know a lot of people listening to this are really interested in media. And quick question, aside from all of this, How do you describe the difference between advertising and marketing? Wow, that's a big question. Um, the
0: two are closer together today than ever before. Traditionally, advertising has been a subset of marketing. You know, one of the, it's a P under the big P promotion, you know, over the years that has changed significantly because the role of advertising has been elevated so much since we really are the keepers of the community and communities are now in charge. And so, I think the biggest difference is today that we have different deliverables on the back end, but we have a shared function kind of up front. and yes, still a subset, I guess, technically, um, but really so much of marketing today is driven by media and by audiences that the role we play is just much larger kind of tail wagging the dog um, situation, if you will, because the consumer is
1: in charge. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for that explanation, because I tried figuring it out or explaining it to someone else and I kind of just kept repeating myself and working against the points I was making. So I was like, wait, let me ask someone that might actually have a good answer.
0: Yeah, no. And the, and the thing is the interesting point Amanda that I want to make is that we all share the same data now that the marketing folks really dive more into the brand side of the data we dive more into the consumer side of the data in general. And so marketers are more brand-centric, I believe. Uh, Media and advertising and PR folks are more consumer-centric. So together, it's kind of a perfect mix.
1: Awesome, yeah, no, I love it explained that way. Thank you. So how did you get started in advertising?
0: Wow. Uh, I got started in advertising according to my parents when I was a very young kiddo because I loved ads and jingles. And I would basically just sing every different jingle around. And so my mom and dad knew when I picked advertising, they weren't really tremendously surprised. Um, But I think it also kind of came more real for me in high school. Mm -hmm. It was that uh, journalism student that was always involved in yearbook and I was making content. And I was always turned to as the person who was creative, so make us a poster, design the set for our new play, create the backdrop for our senior class, whatever. Um, And so I was kind of um, in that space throughout all of high school, thought I was gonna actually be in the creative space, Mm -hmm. coming into the university, was gonna apply for our Texas Creative Sequence that was the only program we had at that time and be an art director and then, I actually got into um, my curriculum and I had a lot of very close friends that were in the program, the Texas Creative program, that were art directors and copywriters. And I never even applied because it just was wrong. It didn't fit. And I knew it right off. I could tell that it was a different kind of creativity that I had. I'm still very, you know, color sensitive and font sensitive and aesthetically um, driven. Um, come from a long line of creative folks in many different spaces, architecture and so on, um, but it just didn't feel right to apply for an art director role, and so had a pretty major meltdown um, that summer, tried to figure out my, my life, and started the fall semester with a class called, well, media planning, and I realized pretty early on in that semester that media wasn't tremendously sexy right then uh-huh. um, and shiny but I could see the potential it had and I realized that I was creative but I wasn't a creative and so it basically allowed me to really create my own um, combination of both left and right brain so yeah and now media's grown up and into the space that I really had hoped it always would be so
1: no that's so beautiful because you actually just described what happened to me last year it was the, the same thing everyone thought that i was a creative i thought i was a creative obviously i love content creation as well and i set my mind to getting into texas creative and when it didn't happen it was so confusing right you had the meltdown in the summer that's exactly what i did and then i started media foundations in the fall with yourself, Lisa Tobias, and it changed my life for the best. And I think that was that one sentence when you realize that you're not a creative, but you can still be creative, or however you say it, (laughs) you say it the right way, but it literally changed my life because it made me feel like I wasn't lesser than the Texas creatives. And it was more of like, no, you just like have a whole other side of your brain that you can utilize and still be creative. So that's that's right. Just It's so awesome, and Texas Media and Analytics has offered so many opportunities to myself and of course your years of cohorts that you have under your belt now, which I love so much. Yeah, Um, many. Isn't that crazy? It's so crazy, and that's also what I wanted to ask you. So, you have a large network, um, a legacy if you will, of advertising professionals that I guess have even gone into other industries that aren't advertising, Um, but how does it feel to have started this legacy?
0: You know, um, I'd love to take credit for that. I just feel like it's grown on its own. I mean, the, the community is the community, and all I've done is helped, I hope, find a nugget that we can build around, um, shared passions that we can create around um, together. And so I don't really feel like I created the community. I feel like the community invented itself. All they needed was kind of a starting origin. All I've done is basically given a voice to people who maybe didn't feel like they had one and didn't necessarily feel like they had a place or a people, if you will. And so they found each other, realizing that, you know, analytics and audience insight and this strange combination of strategic creativity is not not that it's not unusual, it's special, but it's not unusual, right? Mm -hmm. And so there are other people out there who have these same passions as you and let's put you guys all together and let you work magic. So I feel like the community built itself and, um, I just feel like I've been so lucky to kind of help direct and move that community forward, but the Mm -hmm. community really just like consumers are in charge, the community's in charge. So Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think you're an awesome example that I tried explaining in my first episode about how influencers do not necessarily have to be a literal blogger. That's like posting about brands or whatever, like an influencer is anyone that has a impact on a community around them. And you are an extraordinary example of that because like you just said too, like you didn't create this community, you kind of helped everyone find each other. Uh And I mean, That makes you an influencer, Miss Lisa. So I just think it's so cool that it all is interconnected. And this definitely helps me prove my point that you don't have to be the traditional influencer to still actually like have an impact on a huge community and change lives with it. What advice do you have for our graduates that have graduated in 2020 during this pandemic?
0: So I've been talking with a lot of them individually, as well as kind of as a group. And I think, you know, each person has a different situation. So the advice varies significantly person to person. But as a whole, I want to let them know that their concerns are validated, right? That there are obviously extraordinary times that we're going through right now, but that they are much more prepared um, even now than they thought they were before because of the skill sets that they're bringing to the market and so my advice is don't undersell yourself and what you're able to provide what brands and the marketplace needs now more than ever is critical problem solving um, people who can be very efficient with time and resources mm-hmm. people who can you know think differently given different, very quickly turning and changing criteria. Um, people who can own one thing but can dabble in many and our students can do all those things. Um, and so I think my advice is try to lean more into the hard and soft skills that they have now more than ever Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and pay attention to, you know, where they want to end up and it might not be right away, but you know, Understand that there's a reason for their journey and there are things they're going to learn along the way that they didn't necessarily foresee and so kind of Have a destination but enjoy the journey I guess is kind of what I would like to say to them Yeah, but don't don't undersell and and make sure that all those different skills um, Can come forward with you
1: definitely and I think one thing that I learned the end of our semester so For those of you that don't know, in Texas Media and Analytics, in the first class that you take, which is Advanced Media Strategies, you work with a group at the end of the semester to do a national campaign project. And traditionally, every other cohort has been able to work in person together in their groups of five or six and create a omnichannel campaign. And then at the very end of the semester, you present it live to the companies that you're working for or working with. Um, but this was the first semester, right? That everything was virtual. Everything. everything. Wow. The only
0: thing that we had on this project that wasn't virtual was a client download session for the RFP. Uh, literally the day uh, the quarantine, or the day before quarantine wow. started at the university. It was on March twelfth, um, and then March thirteenth was lockdown day. So, um, literally the day before quarantine, we were together for the last time. Um, with our client on a virtual meeting because our client was out of town. Uh, but um, yeah, everything from that point forward, including all of our student meetings, all of your meetings, the final presentations, which ended up being a five-hour uh, presentation session <laughs> to executives, um, everything virtual and absolutely beautiful and seamless. It blew my mind and uh, the clients as well. They are absolutely still talking about you. I've heard from them and they're having had conversations with you guys at their executive board meetings and leadership meetings on how we can continue to inspire young, amazing minds like that. So, um, it's
1: incredible. Yeah. Well, I love that. And that just proves the point of what you're saying about the skill set. Like we would have never done a virtual presentation of an actual, a national campaign project on zoom, right? Like that just would have never happened. And nor have we ever, or, or would we have ever only done everything as a group over zoom so this actually is just such a valuable experience and it is definitely going to help a lot of us Um, whether you're a senior listening to this or you were in texas media this last semester it's going to help you as you can have it on your um, rapport that you can do things virtual and be just as successful so i definitely think that skill is something that a lot of us are going to be taking with us
0: yeah, it was an unexpected benefit, I
1: guess. Think about it like that. Yeah, exactly. And um, also, if you don't mind sharing, I know you sent out an email about how you kind of graduated during madness in the U.S. I did. Yeah, so I
0: graduated back um, in the late '80s uh, and started my job in Chicago right before the beginning of the uh, first Gulf War that we experienced in the U.S. and There were a total um, of about four of us in my graduating class that had a pre-graduation job. I was one of the lucky ones. Um, Everyone else was up against this major recession uh, and uncertainty that became a war. And um, you know, when I moved to Chicago, my husband had another year of schooling underneath um, his, or that he still needed to get underneath his belt um, because he has a, an architecture five-year degree and so he had a little more time back in texas and so he came up a year after i got there and he also did not have a job um like most of the graduates at that time and looked unsuccessfully for two and a half years he was an ace hardware man sold hardware with an architecture degree help other people build things um but wasn't designing and building himself but you know he really turned it into a positive thing he started doing some volunteering and created kind of a a independently owned contracting company with a friend and started doing some renovations. And basically what it did was allow him to really kind of step out of the norm and move into um, some exploration that he might not or would not have definitely otherwise done. And it really, you know, it was tough. It was really, really tough to watch someone who had such a strong degree wait for such a long time um, to kind of kick things off and it, you know, it set him back mentally, but I will say that it also made us a lot stronger as a couple, I think, um, as, as individuals, because it made us really focus on what we valued the most. And, you know, if everything comes really, really easy, especially at the beginning, then when things don't, what do you do? And so I think I look back at those times where we were really really struggling um, financially, emotionally, and all of that in another city away from family. Um, It was tough, but it really shaped us. And, you know, here we are um, just months away from our 30th wedding anniversary. So, you know, it really, um, I think it made us stronger as Mm -hmm. people.
1: Totally. Well, congratulations on 30 years coming up. Oh my word. word. (laughs) That's so awesome. So speaking of that, what do you think made you successful?
0: Wow. You mean throughout that time period, the the challenges there? I mean, just in, in life, like as a professional and as a I person. Know. I know it's a that's hard h- That's hard because of course I'm my own, so, you know, like all of us self-critic. Um, and so success is relatively defined, I guess, you know. Um, for me, I think it's something that I kind of preach to students and it's like lean into that uncertainty and, you know, learn how to be comfortable being, or comfortable being uncomfortable. And I, I know I say that and I've been saying that for 23 years. My goodness, that's how long I've been at UT. Um, but it's real. And I've tried to do it. I mean, who knew that Texas media was going to be a thing? who knew that I was gonna get a job at UT and be able to stay for the duration of basically the rest of my career um, so I think it's a matter of when you see something that really lights you up, follow it and pay attention to it and try not to um, try not to have such a you know serious plan that you can't modify it because um, I would never have been teaching at UT and Texas media would not have happened had I followed my original plan. I was actually going to go to grad school when I got to Chicago in the evenings and work on a PhD in hopes to come back and teach at UT one day. Mm -hmm. And um, that didn't happen because of the recession and because of a lot of things that were going on. Northwestern University was changing a lot of things at that time and the program that I wanted in Um, actually stopped functioning, and so my PhD was not only paused, but it was actually deleted from my plan, and, you know, that was always what I thought I was going to do, and so when it didn't happen, again, kind of meltdown mode um, for a little while, trying to figure out life, and look, I came back to the university in a teaching capacity a completely different way. If I had had my PhD and was really focusing on research um, and publishing, I very likely would never have had the opportunity to start Texas media because I wouldn't have had the bandwidth. And so, you know, kind of watch what you ask for cause it might happen, but it might not look like what it, you think it does, I guess. So yeah, just kind of lean in, I guess is my, my biggest, uh, secret ingredient.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. And what advice do you have about getting a job in media?
0: You know, I think getting into media, I think it's a matter of, um, you know, being uh, consistent, persistent, uh, networking, and really trying to figure out um, where your starting point is. Um, I think that there are so many opportunities out there. Actually, I've had a couple of people reach out to me just today as an anecdote I had um a student emailed me or texted me from her job in New York, super excited about the combination of the analytics and the numbers that she gets to work with, but also the strategy. She didn't realize how cross-trained she really was until this job became a reality in the last few weeks, especially. And so I think it's you know harvest goodness from everything that you do, um, and some of that times, some of the times that goodness is, oh, I never want to do that again. Um, and, you know, but, but learn from those things, I think kind of be self-observant, um, pay attention to what you are good at and either pursue that very heavily or maybe actually the things that you're not so good at work on those more, you know? So I think it's a matter of being intentional. Um, and that's really important, not only I don't think in your career, but also just in life in general, because then you can see things more clearly when you can kind of be more objective and step back from things. So to get into media, I think pay attention to who you are and and find the right combination of, you know, job descriptions and focus more on the description than on the title, um, Mm -hmm. because title is so secondary to everything else.
1: So what is your opinion or what do you think about influencer marketing since you have such an awesome background in advertising?
0: I mean, obviously we know the number one media channel quote in quotes, air quotes, there is, you know, what people say, um, our friends, our colleagues. So influencer from that standpoint is highly, highly impactful. And I think we as an industry, obviously know that I do think that there are times when influencer marketing is kind of poo-pooed, if you will, um, because we know that it is like anything, um, flawed, and that there are nooks and crannies in there that um, brands aren't doing well. Um, but really, when it is flawed, it's it is because largely brands aren't necessarily making the best decisions with the information they have, and so it's like anything, you know, doing it for its sake isn't smart. Um, doing it with intention is a good thing. So it's a matter of, you know, don't just throw money behind it because it's a shiny object in the marketplace, you know, make sure it makes sense and then do it right. So there are so many different versions and forms of influencer marketing. Um, and there should be because whatever fits one brand shouldn't fit another. So,
1: yeah, that's awesome. And what do you think the future of influencer marketing is looking like? Do you think it's gonna go out or do you think it's only gonna get bigger?
0: You know, um, I think it's very likely going to get bigger, but I think it's gonna morph. I think that we're going to have more structured channels and we're gonna understand um, who influencers are. And and obviously we do need some more transparency, I believe in the space too, because folks who are um, not necessarily forthcoming in the fact that they are a paid influencer for a brand, Really, can do some damage, I think, to that brand's reputation when that's discovered. Um, But, you know, consumers aren't um, naive, hopefully. And I think that if we are upfront and say, hey, you know, here's an important person, but they're choosing to support us um, and our brand and our cause, and here's what they have to say about us, you know, then I think that it holds the clout and the value that it should. I think it's when we try to pull one over on the consumer, that influencer marketing becomes um, you know, problematic because it's not clear that this is a you know, paid for branded exposure, just like a TV ad or you know, another ad would be. So I think it's a matter of transparency. And, and, and so I think it's going to grow in those uh, ways. I think it's going to change and shift um, because com- consumers are going to demand more, you know, more understanding times trans- kind of kind of fact checking if you will
1: definitely and i was also thinking of the fact that the consumers are going to become more of an influencer in their own way just because there will be such an oversaturation of paid influencer marketing that there are, i mean there's already obviously brands doing this but then you know giving products or just perks to smaller consumers that mm-hmm. still have like an impact on their friends their families that word of mouth that you were talking about I agree. Um, so, I think that's really awesome. Yeah. So, one of my favorite case studies,
0: Amanda, of influencer marketing, before we actually even really called it that, was the introduction of the, oh my gosh, iTouch? No, yes. What was the music? Yeah, it was. I guess it was an iTouch, right? The Yeah, that's what we called it. I can't even remember.
1: One of the these, iPod? iPod. Thank okay. you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, one of these they things. turned it into an iTouch. <laughs> yeah, so that's the yeah. same thing, yeah
0: yeah um so their launching strategy was in the Hollywood um, gift backs, basically that goes to all of the folks before they walk on the red carpet. Um, they gave one of those in there um, the first the first uh, versions there, and you know so all of these Hollywood celebrities, um, very famous folks were walking around with these white devices that could be seen everywhere very clearly you know, even some of them as they walked down the red carpet and it was like, what is that? And so, you know, those were very influential people Mm -hmm. lending their testimony to a product without necessarily even knowing that. And so, yeah, I mean, again, many different versions and forms of influencer marketing. I think that what people think of is that paid for you know, kind of version of what we're doing. And I, I just think that there's a limit to that. I think that there are many other creative space ways to invoke expertise, I guess. Yeah,
1: totally. Well, we have a few questions from Instagram. Um, Caitlin wants to know how do you overcome imposter syndrome.
0: I don't. Um, and I, and, and I, I, mean, me personally, I don't, um, and I, you know, I think the biggest thing, um, to say about that is that everybody has it. I think to remember that, um, anybody who is someone you probably want to be around has a certain level of imposter syndrome. I've had some of the most incredible people that I've worked with on teams, students that just have so much power and don't even realize it come into my office and sit in that same chair and talk about their imposter syndrome, um, and then you know the person after them that comes in. If I had said, "Hey, the person before you said this as well," they'd be like, "What? That person is so influential and so powerful." Yeah. Uh, you know, so I think I think imposter syndrome is a healthy thing um, if used properly, um, because I think it keeps us modest, and I think modesty in industry is something that is a um, valuable asset. So I think, yeah. How do you overcome it? Well, try not to let it control you and understand that everybody has it, I guess, Um, but also use it as fuel to continually improve yourself.
1: Awesome. That's a great advice. And it's good to know that everyone has it because someone else asked me, like, does everyone have imposter syndrome? And I was like, I think so. (laughs) Honestly, Yeah,
0: I honestly don't know that I've met, um, like I said, anyone that I would necessarily want to spend much time with that doesn't have some version of imposter syndrome, because again, I think it keeps us humble.
1: Yeah. Um, Another question was, was there a moment when you feel like you made it?
0: You know, I'm going to say no. Um, The interesting thing about life is that, um, you know, I remember being a college student, like it was not very long ago. And I remember keeping thinking that, you know, when I get to a certain stage, well, yeah, I'll have made it and I'll have the answers. Um, Right. So when I was in, college, it was like, well, when I graduate, when I walk across that stage, magically, I'll be enlightened. Or when I get my first job, or, you know, when I get married, or when I, you know, buy my first house, or have my children, well, my children are grown now, and out on their own. I have owned my own house for, uh, you know, decades. I've been married for decades, and out of college for even longer. Um, and I, I still don't know, I still don't, I still don't have the secret to life. I still don't understand the world clearly right and so I feel like one of the biggest advice pieces that I give to students that I think resonates with students many many years later is don't wait until you feel like you have it figured out because you're not going to feel like you have it figured out right Mm -hmm. and so um I I guess that ties into have I made it um I still have a long list of things I want to do so
1: yeah yeah Yeah, I I definitely think it's like a snowball effect because I mean for myself too it was like Okay. When I graduate high school. Okay. When I get into UT. Okay. When I get into media. Okay. When I like, yeah, it just keeps going. So it just
0: keeps going. And I think that's a, that's a trait of that imposter syndrome. I think that's a trait of someone who wants to continue to grow as well. So, I mean, I mean, I'm good enough, but I'm not done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah
1: totally. Well, that is all for my related to advertising questions, but every episode I like to at least list three things that I and my guest are grateful for. So I will start us off. I'm so grateful that you are here and taking time for this podcast episode. Um, I'm really grateful for Texas media and analytics and where it's taken me. Ooh. And I'm really grateful for, my journal, because if I didn't have this journal, I probably wouldn't have remembered all my questions. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome.
0: Um, So grateful, wow, that's a big one. I am grateful for um, technology Mm -hmm. that has allowed us to stay connected throughout this crazy time. I am extraordinarily grateful for the university and for the students that I've met there who have now become friends over the years um, and have made my job. So enjoyable and worthwhile, and I'm incredibly grateful for everyone's health um, throughout this crazy pandemic um, that we're going through right now. Um, So, hopefully, we can continue to, as a society, heal and uh, come back together again in person. Miss everybody's, you know, physical contact. I'm very much a tactile instructor you can ask the classroom I much prefer talking in an auditorium than I do on a screen so but thankful for the opportunity to address everybody today as
1: well yeah definitely I hope that next year we'll be able to have a follow-up episode in a real studio so that'd be so great if we could be in person again absolutely Um, absolutely I would love that Love that too. And what have you been loving? Any favorites during this week, today, or quarantine?
0: Loving. So my husband and I uh checked out the homecoming uh miniseries on Amazon Prime and totally it's a Julie Roberts production. Oh, okay. Um very much into that. That's been kind of one of our go to fun things. I've been enjoying cooking different things and Uh, making new things. We have a garden that's been very productive this year because of the wonderful rain. So fresh veggies from the backyard have been wonderful. Um, What else? Oh, well, one thing, I got my mom and dad on Zoom, um, which was really cool. Um, They don't have a laptop, but they have a, a smartphone. So I was able to get them, you know, on Zoom. And so now I'm loving the fact that I was able to connect them with their grandkids again. They haven't seen some of their grandkids and Um, months. And so it was super, super nice, you know, to be able to watch that. So that's been fun.
1: That's so cute. Yes, I have such a huge heart for grandparents because, you know, I take care of mine. So any old people, I'm like, oh my gosh, I love them. Love, love. (laughs) Um, But yes, I too have been loving gardening. I got my first tomatoes off my tomato plant the other day. And the reason why I have that is because my grandpa's obsessed with tomatoes. So that was just so fulfilling to see him eat one of my tomatoes yeah right and then gardening in general like I replanted and uh, my grandpa has this steel it's like a memorial for his mother and it was just overcrowded with like weeds and old limbs and stuff and so Cameron helped me and we just totally revamped it and now it's full of flowers and it's just good vibes in the backyard. So. I love that. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's so amazing. Um, one thing I'm grateful for is all the extra time I'm, I have back in life, not sitting on the highway waiting to get into campus. It, you know, It's a three hour a day kind of experience because it's an hour and a half in, an hour and a half back home. So um,
1: I can do a lot in three hours, I've figured out. <laughs> you can. And Austin traffic is not fun if anyone listening has not experienced it before. so <laughs>
0: right. right.
1: Um, all right. Well, the last thing I like to leave the listeners with every week is an affirmation. So the affirmation I have for you guys this week is I put good energy out into the world, knowing I will receive good things in return. So if you guys don't know, just repeat this affirmation in the morning, in the mirror, going to bed, anything you like because it will help you attract more positivity into your life. All right, well thank you Lisa for being on this episode of Becoming an Influencer and I'm excited to see you again on campus one day. (laughs) Same, absolutely and we're gonna stay in touch over the summer as well
0: I hope. Oh of course, yes.